Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. We're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Gerald Glasser, come right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listen to Friday's show, you're going to hear a familiar voice as Yami Smoot, a.k.a. Jamie Sweet, takes up the first few minutes of the show talking about the recent release of Baldur's Gate 3. He is so excited he had to talk about it, and he did so on our PC Multiverse. That's available wherever you get your podcasts on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. Plus, also as well, Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Fantasy Football is around the corner, so go ahead and make sure you get your info and tips for your Fantasy Football League right here for us at Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Plus, also as well, Game Source, of course, LakersBall.com. Joe Sorrow, Ox1947, unfortunately, will most likely not be here today because, let me see, his note said, internet outage in my area, been jacked since 1 p.m. today, strong chance I won't be able to get on tonight, the 5G Verizon over here is absolutely worthless and bad. He says a lot of other things, but unfortunately, they have a lot of expertise attached to it, so I can't say what else he said about it, but... He is probably not going to be on here tonight because the internet gremlins are there. So go ahead and check him out today at LakersBall.com. He's probably raging there as Ox1947. Plus, provided his internet still works, you can go ahead and check him out today at Simblades, SimbladesWithAY.com. Plus also as well, our good friend John McCallion, John McCallion channel. Much props to him, 50 pounds lost, 80 pounds to go. So you can hear the great conversations and the inspirational words that he has for you waiting at the John McCallion channel. Our good friends, Laker Tom, and Laker Tom has been very busy on Twitter, sharing his opinion on the various things going on in the world of Lakers. So go ahead and check out what he's doing today as the number one Lakers blogger at Lakerholics.com. And of course, Jamie Sweet, his five things articles also as well. And, you know, if he doesn't like what Laker Tom is doing, you know he'll give him some grief, and you can find that out today at Lakerholics.com. But if you can, if you can go ahead and help us out, we're almost to a thousand scri- subscribers. I know I keep saying that on the last few episodes, but 
We're still almost. I know it's a dead time, but if you've got some friends or family or loved ones out there that truly enjoy the Los Angeles Lakers like we do, there's no better place to go than right here at the Lakers Fast Break. So you can go ahead, please, and get them to go ahead and subscribe today so that they can get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air. Even when Joe's not here, he's always here. He's right below Sean right now with the BDIs. So go ahead and click on Joe today and subscribe today to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Well, dog days continue here in August. Still triple digits here in Vegas, I will tell you that. But as we continue on, it's still getting hot and heavy in regards to what's going on with the Los Angeles Lakers. Tomorrow is the first day that the Lakers can go ahead and offer AD an extension, which we covered on the show earlier this week. All the particulars, it's going to be a three-year, most likely around 168, or 67 and change million dollars. Yeah, when you get up that high, doesn't really matter if you can't round off or not. But yeah, no, no. But he may be offered that here in the next 24 hours. Most likely he will be if you read the rumors that are out there. Whether or not he accepts, that's going to be a different story. But with all that said and done, one of the parameters he may ask before he signs is that the Lakers make an attempt to go ahead and try to find ways for him to play the four spot a little more often. And that seems to be the big debate among Lakers fans. We talked about it before a little bit about the conundrum the Lakers have with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And if Anthony Davis wants to play more four, it's really hard to do with LeBron James, who at 38, 39 now, kind of has to play the four spot. He no longer really can do the three spot unless it's like he goes into the wayback machine like he does every once in a while during the regular season, but that's only for a few minutes. So the choice now is the Lakers and what they're going to do at that other spot in the front court. We talked about our thoughts yesterday about the starting lineup and what we think it could be, should be, might be, and will be when it comes to what is going on this season. But the conversation about the two big lineups, it doesn't seem to end. And that's even without Christian Wood not being on the team. There's more and more talk about Jackson Hayes possibly being in the starting lineup. I know that's going back and forth. Uh, one of, uh, actually, Laker Tom's favorite reporters are out there, bloggers. That's not him, although he is probably one of his own favorites. Jovan Buha. From the Athletic, he had an article earlier today posted that why the Lakers' potential return to a big, a too big approach doesn't make sense. Well, he and he outlines it in great detail, puts out some numbers. Uh, you know, as far as comparison, Anthony Davis at center, Anthony Davis at power forward, talking about the numbers going forward and going forward. It's like you know, it's about uh, about maybe about a 1,300-word piece. Pretty nice, pretty good, pretty depth in detail. I'll give him that. Actually, uh, you know, very good for everybody out there. So if you go ahead and get a chance, you have uh, actually a subscription to The Athletic. Go ahead and check it out today right there. Why the Lakers' potential return to a too-big approach doesn't make sense. But when he tweeted that out there, of course, Laker Tom has to have his two cents. And Laker Tom says, you know, that's a great article by by Yovan, but... I still like the too big approach that Jackson hates. So today we're going to discuss that in detail right here 
on the Lakers Fast Break. And here today is a man who's not experiencing internet difficulty. He's a good man indeed. He did get out of Toronto traffic. He's the madman for Toronto. Just to go ahead and talk about two bigs. Because it's two bigs. Too big for the Lakers. This is a good man indeed. It is the magic man, Sean Grice. Sean, great to have you here. You're unmuted. You're ready to go. Rocking another awesome Lakers jersey. So I ask you, my friend, to be or not too big? Is that the question? Yeah, that seems to be the uh, the big question, Gerald. And I think too not big. Too not big. I would... Uh, is saying no, Laker Tom, Tom Arooney is saying yes to the two big. So we have yeah. our little back and forth. Of course, Tom has been on that island in regards to trading Vando for Kristen Wood. He likes staying on those islands, so to speak, as far as what uh, most other Laker fans prefer. Yeah, absolutely, Gerald. And uh, obviously, we go, we ask uh, everyone to go read the article for yourself. Uh, and obviously make uh, make your own assessment and please share with us what you guys think about it. But uh, I, I think I can speak for Gerald when I say that um, it, it's pretty clear that when he was playing center uh, and we made the, uh, the additions that we did, it was the best of both worlds because they played a better, efficient, uh, their identity as a defense. Um, and they were also a much better half-court offense because of it. And the reason was, Gerald, is because he played 99% of his minutes at center. And so the evidence is right there. And as I said in the comments, I, I think it would be difficult for him to make an argument with uh, Coach Ham and uh, the coaching staff and, you know, even if Rob and, you know, Phil Handy, the development guys are in there against playing the five because we have all the evidence we need, Anthony. Like, we went to the Western Conference Finals with you playing 99% of the minutes at center with LeBron on one leg. So imagine uh, the kind of efficiency we can create with you at the center position with a healthy LeBron and the new additions we've brought in, what say you? I would just say this right now. <sighs> if the <laughs> Lakers can just find a way to find that happy medium of someone who can fit and check off all the boxes, that would just end the story right there for you. But unfortunately, they can't. Christian Wood, you know, in that starting lineup would fill a lot of needs. But then again, defensively, you're still putting yourself out there even more. If you bring Vando in, again, as we covered on yesterday's show, Vando, 6'10", 6'11", whatever he's grown to, that's great. But if you can't hit a jump shot, no matter what great defense he plays, he's going to be played off the floor in certain stretches. Then you got Rui Hashimura. Rui, 6'8", 250, I'll say right now, 240, 250 in that range. It's great, but he's not going to be able to guard threes. He's more comfortable guarding power forwards and even centers, depending on the center. He even, you, know, you saw him guard Jokic and, and, mm -hmm. and do, at least at first, quite admirably on it. I mean, after a course of a few games, they kind of figured him out. So that's one thing. But again, during stretches during the regular season, might work out for you. But then again, you don't have the rim protection that you would need 
if AD's not in the lineup right there and he's playing your four or five. So again, the dynamic of all this is the fact that the Lakers need someone to fill that slot. They just don't have someone that's a perfect fit. It's like square pegs into the round holes and we're trying to force it and make it fit. And if there's one thing that's going to hold us back from any type of greatness, although again, we have, we have a nice depth rotation of about 12 guys that could go ahead and give you some quality ball, but the perfect fit for the team is not there, my friend. And that's something, if there's any reason outside of injuries is that will hold us back. That would be my first and foremost concern is the fact that again, the starting lineup, there's not one person outside of what we see for the big four. There's not one person that can go ahead and be that, you know, fill in that fifth slot perfectly anywhere in that rotation. No, not at all, Gerald. Uh, it, it's going to be, uh, you know, a redheaded stepchild at the uh, at that spot until they actually either make a trade or find some stability and and somebody solidifies their role in that slot. And you're right. It, it's going to be. It looks like it's just going to be another addition or trial and error with the with Darvin Ham in the backup center position, Gerald, because. Mm-hmm. Also in the article, uh, and again, it's it's just you know just reading reading off what he's saying. It sounded like Rob is hopeful about the role that Jackson Hayes can play, not necessarily confident. And but I think that's the best and most measured approach because you know again uh, as we've talked about Gerald, you know Hayes is available for a reason. Um, at times he was either their third or fourth uh, depth center. Um, you know, for some reason, Gerald, he just, he lost the coaching staff's confidence himself, I think. And that's what I, I think led to a lot of him sitting on the pine when it really mattered for the for the Pelicans. But he's asked to play a specific role. I'm just not sure he's, um, he has this, you you obviously want to try to recreate the mojo that uh, JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard both had, Jill, but we also need to remember uh, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee both played sparingly in the series against the Houston Rockets, and then they both played sparingly, uh, JaVale McGee exclusively, basically, uh, no minutes, basically, in the finals. So, I, I mean, even if Jackson Hayes does play the role that the the Lakers want him to. I just, I, I think it's, I think it's ballooning and kind of diluted re, uh, expectation to expect Jackson Hayes to still overachieve at the role and still find his way playing meaningful minutes. I don't think that's going to be the case. Anthony Davis needs to be the player playing meaningful minutes for the Lakers at the center position in the playoffs. 99% of the minutes he played at center last year resulted in the Lakers going to the Western Conference Finals. There was no answer for him when Anthony Davis played the center position in the finals against the Heat. That's where our bread and butter is with uh, Anthony Davis and the Lakers, Gerald. And you're right. It's about damn time that uh, somebody tries to actually go under the hood now and really fix what's going on here because you need AD healthy for the playoffs. He averages 38 minutes a game. 
and he averaged it thir- 99 minutes at center. So that's 36, 37 minutes a night playing the center position in the playoffs. That's hard on your body and really hard on your mind. So I think they really need to find uh, a suitable position, Gerald. And you're right. I think it's it's going to be, you know, two or three guys picking picking up the load. It's just incredible to see, you know, the, all the different variating opinions out there. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Uh, So you would watch The Tomorrow War before The Matrix? Yes. If you forced me down, I was tied into a chair and I had to watch one thing, I would say The Matrix Resurrections. Really? Funny. Yeah, because of all the cutscenes, I could remember what a good movie was like. (laughs) (laughs) Well played, sir. Well played. Yes, that's the only reason for the flashbacks, to to remind you what a good Matrix movie was. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. And once again, it is the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate you watching and listening. It is Magic Man, Sean Grice, and me, Gerald Glasser. Thanks so much for watching and listening. We truly appreciate it. Please subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live, the latest Lakers Fast Break. It is amazing to see the differing opinions on exactly who they think should start alongside AD. Again, if you start two bigs, you put LeBron at the three. And LeBron at the three is just... It's asking a lot of a 38, 39-year-old individual to go ahead and guard individuals of that as far as along the wing is concerned. It just doesn't make logistical sense. I know that we had someone last night in the chat did a great job. It was a new listener, new viewer, uh, and I just truly appreciate him bringing that and accentuating that. And it's a good point. I mean, if you put in two guys, even a Christian Wood, I've been thinking more I think about even a Christian Wood. If you sign him, you know, and you start him, you're still having a problem at guarding a three. There's just, with this lineup, it's just not, it's talented. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's effective. Mm-hmm. It'll get by in the regular season. In fact, it'll probably do pretty good in the regular season. I'm still contemplating where, where they're going to land, but I have a feeling, you know, the 46 and a half, I think they would go over if they were healthy. Just it's my opinion. But when it comes to uh, what we saw from what search says in the greatest chat room that's out there in the Lakers fast break, he is concerned that this is a playoff team. I'm not sure if it is a playoff team. We saw how far this team went in the playoffs, and they did meet their their maker when it came to Denver, and this team is a really solid team. The problem is, can it achieve that next-level greatness with what they have? And doing a two-big lineup, especially with someone who's a non-shooter, who is going to be dependent as far as being underneath, 
going to be a lob catcher, going to be someone in the dunker spot, going to be clogging up the lane because you already have LeBron taking 500 threes and he's better improve his efficiency or else it's really going to be another issue again. You have Anthony Davis, who, yes, he's working hard on, uh, you know, on regaining his form. But even then, his form wasn't that great as far as, you know, when he stretched to three. Mid-range was his, for, you know, was his forte. And unfortunately, that went away in recent years. So I don't know, my friend. I just, I just think it's a very talented team. I think it's a very, very talented starting lineup. But there's no perfect fit with what we have. No, there isn't. There isn't. It's not a perfect fit. It's going to be a little awkward, a little weird. I mean, it's kind of like the Island of Misfit Toys. Again, Gerald, uh, trying trying to find that uh, that elusive uh, backup center that you need to have in order to make sure that you get the best output out of AD. Um, it's going to be difficult. You're right. I mean... It, it, a lot of this is just trial and error. But the reason why last year was so frustrating, I feel, Gerald, is because there was just such a redundancy of finding a backup. Like, they went to Damian Jones, and then they went to Wendy Gabriel, and then they went to Mo Bamba. It's, you know, other than Bamba uh, and his theoretical three-point shooting, it was a lot of the, the same skill sets uh, the same flaws, uh, the same deficiencies, and you know, th- there's a reason why none none of those three uh, players worked out. So I, I think it's about time that you know, I, I mean, at least uh, they're going back to the well and trying to uh, trying to see if it's, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. If Jackson Hayes is that answer, you know, may- maybe they know something we don't, but. I just think you're right. The role is going to have to be aggregated by at least two or three bodies. It's it's not just going to be Jackson Hayes. It's going to be, uh, you know, LeBron can play uh, a small ball five in certain lineups. Rui has played a small ball five in emergencies. So, uh, Colin Castleton, as, as Buha mentioned, you know, there's. I think it's just going to be kind of insert and see what works. I mean, AD, if he wants to go back and play the four, he's going to have to wait until LeBron leaves or retires. I think that's what it's going to come down to because I'm coming to the realization quite quickly. And the stats on Buha in his article back it up that the days where he's playing the four are essentially over. And I think that he has to come to grips with that if, if he hasn't already. So that's you know something that Lakers fans have to go ahead and – come to grips with it's just the fact that yes he is not going to be anything other than the five going forward unless lebron leaves now if lebron leaves or retires or something happens then again you could go ahead and put a center in there and that changes the dynamic of everything but you need someone to go ahead and guard three what, what are you going to d'angelo if you're going to have let's say jared vanderbilt jared vanderbilt okay if he can't guard the one if d'angelo can't guard the one then he's going to have to guard the three because he's tall enough to do that. Or do you have him guard the shooting guard and Austin Reeves move over to the, you just have to have some dynamic where the one, two and the three spots are covered. Asking LeBron to run around screens 500 times a game at his age is not a smart or wise move. 
No, he needs to he needs to basically be glued to who's ever playing the four and avoiding screens as much as possible, Gerald. I agree. Uh, you know, it's almost it's kind of flipped, kind of flipped from twenty twenty. Uh, in twenty twenty, the Lakers had the the uh, uh, fortuitous. Uh, destiny to have a backcourt that was very versatile from a defensive point of view. They had uh, Austin, uh, they had Alex Russo, they had Avery Bradley. They could also throw KCP on twos and threes as well, Gerald. So there was a revolving. Yeah, but LeBron door. was playing more one. One, yeah, he was. Anything. He was. Well, that's changed too. But now we have now we have an aggregate of, of like threes and fours more tweeners who are fours than threes uh and you know not a lot of versatility at the guard position so again that's that's another conundrum ham has to deal with here because he's look as much as people want to think that you know he may go to the two guard lineup i think that's going to be spotty and sparing at best i think teams he could play that style, have to be very slow and methodical. You know, teams like the Knicks, teams like the Sixers, teams like the Bucks. Uh, you might be able to get away with that against teams such as uh, the Heat uh, but and the Jazz. But really, a lot of Western Conference teams play a very 4-1 four, four out. Uh, the center needs to be able to shoot. And, Gerald, you know, let's be honest. Ham loves his three-guard lineups. That's what we're going to see. That's what we're going to see. My guess is he's going to go with a three-guard lineup over a two-big lineup if he has the choice to make. Once again, it's the Lakers fast break. It is Gerald Gosford along with the Magic Man, Sean Grice. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Truly appreciate it. Big shout-out to the chat. Everybody's coming in here. Lifted Condor. I know I said uh, a hi to uh, pretty much everyone here in the chat. Southern Comfort, big shout out to you as well. Tears of Joy. Kurt is back in, in business here in the chat. He has a great question. How much playmaking do you see LeBron doing? And you know, Kurt, it's like he since that year of the championship year where he did play a predominant amount of one and he wanted the ball in his hands quite a bit, he's gone to a system where he's allowed a lot more ball handling from the other guards. And I think we will see a predominant amount of ball handling from AR and also as well, D'Lo and Gabe Vincent. I mean, those guys are going to be take up the bulk of the uh, normal every day, every game, three quarters full of possessions. But when it comes to it, when LeBron wants to take the ball and when LeBron wants the ball, he's going to stop before he hits half court and ask for it after the, you know, and the inbounds, he's going to ask for it. He's going to demand it and he's going to get it. So how much playmaking do you see foresee LeBron doing? I don't see what he once did, but still as a four guy, who's going to be out there, hopefully 31, 32 minutes. I love to see what Joe, I love to see Joe numbers under 30 and under. But I have a feeling you're still going to try and max it out in 31, 32, maybe 33 minutes of a game. I think we will see him playmaking still quite a bit. He will not go ahead and probably have eight, nine assists like he used to in the old days. He'll probably just, again, if you get five, six assists from him, 
I think that's still in a again, he's going to have his portion of, of playmaking and usage, but he'll have the ball still as much as he wants. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. And deservedly so, because uh, it's, it's likely, Gerald, that he's coming back with a healthy foot. And quite frankly, uh, even even with his age, Gerald, and even with the diminishing returns on the athleticism, he's still a Brahma Bull uh, when it comes to pick and roll basketball. And it's and while he you know he's not the he's not the um, the Godzilla that he used to be in the paint, he still commands respect. And I think he can average you know at least. Probably fifty to sixty percent of his uh, production in the paint. I, I, he doesn't have to live with shooting seven threes a game, Gerald. And we all know that at least three or four of them will be ill-advised. Uh, I think it's also incumbent upon him to understand that as well. I don't need to take bad shots anymore mm-hmm. because I have requisite shooters and cutters and creators around me where. It doesn't feel like I have to waste possessions, even if I'm tired and I'm 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 just tapping out here and just half-assing it with you know a, a, a shot that you you really shouldn't take. But instead of being a hundred percent, you're eighty percent, and you think you need to bail the Lakers out. I I just don't think that he has he he should go in with that mindset, even though he's I get it. It's pride. He's a prideful man. He wants to be able to show people that he that he can still make those shots, but they're ill-advised, Gerald. Most of his shots now are ill-advised. Well, again, this is based off of uh, a article that was posted earlier today on The Athletic by the Athletics Lakers beat reporter, Jovan Buha. Given the Lakers' success using Anthony Davis at center full-time last season, their interest in potentially returning to a too-big strategy is puzzling, in his opinion. Is there a way it can make sense? He did a deep dive, and again, about 1,500 words. Uh, He did show the statistics about what AD is playing at center as opposed to what he's now doing at power forward. Talks about and goes in detail about what happens on both ends of the floor. Uh, Again, when you talk about having LeBron playing the four because he really cannot play the three at this point in time anymore in his career, the two bigs idea as far as in the starting lineup is starting to make less and less sense for me. But then you have Laker Tom at Laker Tom on Twitter. We love oh so much on this show, no matter how strange his opinions sometimes are. But he said in his, and I showed this to you as far as I sent this to you in email, his response, Laker Tom says, great discussion of cons on the too big model, but he thinks the too big model is smart is a smart way for the Lakers to go with AD, but it must have the right second big for it to work. Christian Wood and Rui are the only two big options that are that not only space the floor, but also allow AD to play either four or five, depending on the matchup. So first off, trying to dissect that Laker Tomism right there. You're trying to pigeonhole Rui into a, a spot where I'm not sure it's the best smart move. Again, in Spurs, he can play the five for you, but he's not a rim protector. He's not someone that can go ahead and, and you know, he, he just continuously 
play against the big guys. Joel Embiid would eat his lunch eventually. You saw Jokic eventually eat his lunch after a nice initial you know, burst where he was actually was something the Lakers threw at him and they couldn't figure it out for a little while, but they figured it out eventually. Some of the bigger centers in the league are not going to be able to go ahead and have too much trouble with a 6'8 guy on them. So I, before we go ahead and call him a big, I would just still call him a forward. I would call him interchangeable as far as in the four, maybe small by a small ball five spot, playing him in only in spots. But then again, you go to the situation, Magic Man, where you had last year, Rui and LeBron as your pseudo center playing on the court together. On the defensive end, that just didn't work. Uh, no, Gerald, it didn't. It didn't work. But you know, for for a couple different reasons. Um, you know, LeBron himself as a center, Gerald, underneath the basket, is still a very strong man and commands again a lot of res- respect with his just his strength and his ability and his smarts and his ability to read plays. So I think from that perspective. He's fine as a small ball center, and you're right, only in spurts. Uh, when you get him out in the perimeter and he's against, you know, somebody uh, or Rui, you know, somebody like Carl Anthony Towns or somebody like Trey Lyles, for example, uh, they're a little, they're taller. Uh, they could get their shot off very quickly. And uh, as we've seen, Gerald, when, when Rui's on Jokic, uh, he can hold his own. Uh, different matchups, say he's matched up with Carl Anthony Towns. We saw uh, the bad of Rui playing uh, small ball center in, in that case. So uh, you're right. I, I, I think it spurts is fine. Uh, Rui, you're right, Gerald, in spurts, he is a front court utility player. Against smaller, uh, more plotting uh, half court lineups, Rui might be able to pl- get away with being a three for a few minutes, but uh, for the most part, he's going to be your four, uh, and LeBron is a four as well. Spot minutes at the five only because they will just, as Gerald has said, the longer they play at the five, the less efficient and more uh, exploitative they are defensively. They just get eaten up. Yeah, and that was the problem because when Gabriel couldn't cut the mustard, Mo Bamba couldn't even cut mustard so you know it's just simple the fact that you know there just was not a great answer and i know adam's in the chat and adam was saying well we need three dominant bigs to match up with the celtics because uh, you know like a lot of people out there these celtics are believed to be the favorite in the eastern conference or or close to it the problem is though we'd only have one dominant big i don't i do not consider lebron james at the point of his career to be just considered a big center and and this and I don't consider no. Rui who is an inch smaller than than LeBron and maybe about 5 to 10 pounds lighter although they're they're pretty close now these days they look pretty similar in size at this point in time he's 6'8 I wouldn't consider him a big either per se if you're talking about bigs you're talking to me about 6'10 6'11 7 footers that are out there I don't know if we we actually can get that Jackson Hayes again. If you're banking on Jackson Hayes to come in on a minimum contract after he failed miserably in New Orleans, he is a reclamation project, and I'm hoping that he can go ahead with you know the, what's going on with the Lakers and and hopefully along with Rui Hashimura and how he has been a reclamation project that's worked out well. 
I'm hoping that Jackson Hayes and Cam Reddish from that same draft, the 8, 9, 10 slots, can also find that same kind of reclamation. But that's a lot to ask. That's a lot to bank on, that you that you are going to go ahead and bank on Jackson Hayes becoming a dominant big and finding something that he's not had yet in four years in the NBA. Yeah, uh, tall, uh, tall ask right there. Tall that's ask. a tall ask. Because he's had four years now to prove himself basically against backup centers in the NBA, Gerald. And unfortunately, at the end of that four years, New Orleans evaluated him as a player and said, nope. Now, uh, Endorphin's saying now Rui needs to become a better outside shooter, too. Now, I'm not asking uh, Endorphin for him to be 48% from behind the arc like he was during the playoffs. I think if anybody's asking for that, and demanding that or expecting that to happen throughout the course of an 82 game season, 83, if you play that wonderful NBA cup, I I seriously doubt that's going to happen, but the 31 to 32% three point shooter that he was, that he was traded over onto this team that he is during the regular seasons, that has to change. He has to be for the money. Now that we're paying him a 37 to 38%. That's right in the middle. That's right in the middle of what we're, what he shot in the playoffs and right in the middle of what he shot as far as during the regular seasons of the past four seasons. So uh, I think he has to become a key for him is to become a consistent outside sh- shooter during the regular season. If that's the case, you know, that helps us with that 27th. We were 27th in three-point accuracy last year. And that to me is is just that that's the part that's somewhere where you need to start you need to say hey that sticks out like a sore thumb if you can improve that and remember how bad we were at the beginning of the season magic that has to improve and it could start with Rui and if Rui can go ahead and become at least a mid-level shooter during the regular season my god that would help so much yeah Gerald I mean you know you used to talk about uh like man it's even less than like six, seven years ago, if if your guy can shoot 35% from beyond the arc, he's an average three-point shooter. And if you're an average three-point shooter, you make enough to take enough. Now it's gone up a little more, right, Gerald? It's more specialized skill. You need to be a, just a little bit more accurate, just a little bit more, you know. 34.7% won't cut it, guys. You need to be at least 37 38%, like Gerald said, in that mid-range. And that's but, just... Well, let me say this, though. If, as I said before a couple weeks ago when it comes to LeBron and this overall 27% shooting, you know, as far as overall for team, he's 32% from behind the arc last year. And we all know how miserable it was watching him shoot and chuck up all those threes. If he goes back to what he once was at times, because he flip-flops between a 36 to 37% shooter and a 30 to 32% shooter. If he flips back to the 36, 37% shooter on the volume that he has, that improves greatly our chances of success with Rui becomes a 35, 36, 37% shooter during a regular season that improves us greatly. Plus, also the guys, if those guys that we brought in each shoot anywhere near what they normally shoot, if Gabe Vincent even comes up a couple ticks from his career average, my gosh, that could at least, you know, if we even get into the top 20, if we move up 10 spots on, on three point percentage, 
that does so much more for the Lakers as far as their their overall offense is concerned. Absolutely, Gerald. That that would uh, that would point to a couple things going on. One, either Anthony Davis and or LeBron are super efficient uh, at the rim, or and obviously uh, getting to the line, and or two, because uh, it could be both is that the half-court offense is basically uh, up-ticking. It's up-ticking with shots at the rim. It's up-ticking with three-point percentage. And you're right, Gerald. All the Lakers, if, if the Lakers just up-ticked a little bit with that three and you're now in, you know, somewhere between, you know, the the 18 to 22 range as far as three-point shooting goes, that's huge. That's huge. Because you're almost you're almost an average three point shooting team at that point, and if you're an average three point shooting team, uh, you have you have to respect uh, the ability of the team to take them and make them, and you know as we saw in the in the Western Conference Finals, Denver just didn't respect the didn't respect their shot. Tell you what, though, my friend, again, it, that's. These are things, little things that you see when you take time to go ahead and do the deep dive when it comes to the Lakers. Figure out where is the need? Where is the things that we need to work on? That's why when we did our profiles last week on each and every one of the new guys, nothing really popped for me. But again, it didn't say failure. The defensive ratings were kind of disappointing, but there's hope that each and every one of those individuals in a different defense can go ahead and be a lot better. The shooting percentages from all these guys wasn't great. But if they even just move up a couple points on each and every one of them, that would make things so much better. If Cam Reddish goes ahead and becomes a 33 to 35, 36% shooter, that can make it a, a whole world of difference from what everybody at, out, out there expects. Because outside of the huge Cam Reddish on Twitter fans, nobody really expects Cam Reddish to break into rota- in rotation. He is a reach by Rob Palenka. And if he could go ahead and make it happen, that's the key. I'll tell you what, again, this is something where it gets back to the two bigs. Unfortunately, again, when it comes to the two bigs, Magic Man, we need to find someone that can go ahead and cover three. Someone that is a three. And Cam Reddish, if he is able to shoot with any kind of consistency, I know he's a dark horse. I know he's a long shot. I know he's probably the probably the one of the latter options for the Lakers as a starting three. But if he can find his way through and find some consistency and what the you know talent and belief or Jackson Hayes, my gosh, if those guys pop like they were supposed to coming out of the lottery, that could mean a lot. Uh, that could be the world for the Lakers this season. Yeah, it it would, Gerald, and you know. Um... It wouldn't sh- again. We shouldn't be shocked or surprised if him if him does this. If he if he puts Cam Reddish out there in in a, sort of a bigger lineup where he's asking him to guard, you know, he's six eight, so he may ask him to guard, you know, smaller twos and threes, and perhaps maybe that's when Cam Reddish can take advantage of his minutes drilled and understand, you know, I need to get open. I need to make the open shots. I'm six eight. My opponent is 6'5", 6'4", 6'6". I can shoot over top of them. 
I need to have a sense of awareness on the court at all. Like, and that's the number one thing. When again, when you're one of when you're one of these players, who you know you have that itch to scratch that you want to be a consistent role player, then you fit into a role, and you played that role to the best of your ability. And then, and only then will a team perhaps maybe allow you to have a little bit more on your plate. But I think it starts with uh, Cam Reddish uh, being opportunistic with the minutes he gets you. I mean, we talked about it with, uh, with uh, his signing, right? He is, well, he has a, to come into camp ready. He has right, to see yeah. this as a last, last destination for him. Otherwise, you know, Europe will be calling on him real quick. Yeah, if so. he show if he shows up in that first practice, and obviously it, it it's seen that he's playing like it's his last practice of his life, then you know, this, again, you said it, Gerald, that it might be a new game reddish because it's all about him, right? It's it's his attitude coming into camp that will ultimately uh, change whether or not. Uh, he gets an opportunity because at some point he will. At some point, Ham's going to call his number. He's going to go in there, and he's going to have to make the best of it. Absolutely. And again, it's, it's the Lakers are more of an up-tempo team than most teams in the NBA. His skill set could work out to that advantage if he just shoots anywhere near competently from behind the arc. Once again, it is the Lakers fast break. It is the Magic Man, Sean Grice, and me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Truly appreciate it. It is our talk about whether or not too bigs, too big or not too big. That is the question in Lakers land. So we'll go ahead and finish up on that here in a few. But I wanted to go ahead and touch on something that Search Destroy said. I did bring up a lot of ifs. And that's a lot of ifs I talked about earlier, Sean. But the thing is, though, Search, with these ifs, are a lot of options compared to last year. We just didn't have the kind of bench. We had individuals after you got past the seventh, maybe eighth guy, there were just not options there that would work for you on any type of basis. I just feel that even though these guys are flawed that we brought in and each have their own flaws, I just think that they have the opportunity to, to be a more well-rounded and deeper bench that they than, than what they had last season. I just think they have a little bit more to offer. I think there's a little bit more skill there. I think there's a little bit more potential. That's something we didn't see. I mean, for instance, when Gabriel was so when he was on the team last year, he was thought of as an eighth, ninth guy quite often in the rotation. And we don't have a guy like Wendian Gabriel in an eighth, ninth guy in a rotation. We are rotation is a lot deeper before we get to someone that says, Oh, he's out there. Oh my gosh, we're in trouble. Yeah, we, we are, especially if something like that happens. But at the moment right now, uh, I think we're not, we're, we're a strong nine Gerald, um, you know, um, sends a backup uh, center to solidify uh, the bench. I think if Max Christie uh, evolves and uh, meets, uh, you know, expectations or even exceeds them. I think you can roll with, uh, you know, a ten deep lineup there, Gerald, and then you have a little bit more versatility. But you still well, the thing have... though with Christie though is he's six six, which is just right on the cut line for shooting guard slash shoot, you know, small forward. But he's very slight of build, 
still. He's gotten a little bit thicker, a little bit stronger, but he's still very slight of build compared to some other individuals that are out there that are playing basketball, right? Especially at the three spot. I think guarding threes will be extremely difficult for him. So that's why I think he's a great option as Austin Reeves backup and primarily. And, and then you have Cam Reddish, who is taller by two inches and a little bit uh, you know, stronger, has a little bit more weight on him. He is someone that probably is more best suited to going ahead and guarding threes. Heck, he even tried out the, the four in a certain number of spots last year, but I would rather hold him to being a three. Torian Prince, at his age, we talked about it yesterday, he is leaning more towards a four for me. So I think when it comes to finding the slots for some of these players, I think it's going to be about rotational matchups and things of that nature. But again, Cam Reddish, as someone who we see right now as the 12th guy, possibly in the rotation, depending on the matchups, he could find more minutes than what we anticipate. Yeah, I I agree, Gerald. And like you said, it uh, obviously uh, it's going to be uh, probably touch and go as, as Ham likes to experiment. We saw that last year, you know, I, I understand uh, uh, before the season started, he's, he said, you know, I'm a consistent guy, like going with the same five guys all the time. And he had over, almost 40 different starting lineups uh, throughout the year. So Gerald's right. Um, th- there's just going to be an expectation, I think, from about uh, number eight to number 12 and on that you might play five minutes tonight. You might play 30. It all depends on the matchups. And Gerald's right. that It just needs to be direct. I, I and and that's the only thing that these guys want. They're they're professionals. Just be direct with them. You, you, we ask you to play a role, and tonight you may only play five minutes. You may play thirty. I I think that's fair, Gerald. Given the circumstances and and where we find ourselves, uh, you know, because these are could could be the possibly the last chances for Cam Reddish and Jackson Hayes. That's right. That's right. And obviously they they know it too, right? That's why you're being told. You may only play five minutes tonight. I mean, if you were if you were in demand, and you know we saw we had to sign you to a three or four year deal for thirteen or fourteen million, we'd be getting a different Jackson Hayes. But we're getting the Jackson Hayes at Cam Reddish on Vetmans right now, and you need to show us and the other twenty nine other teams that you're more valuable than what the league thinks you are right now. And it starts with you guys. You guys are going to get minutes. It's up to you to decide your own fate here. And you're right, Gerald. Some guys um, catch on to that very quickly. And they play like their life depends on it. And then some guys don't. We're hoping that Reddish and Hayes are the ones that do understand that urgency. If Christie and Reddish play well Torian Prince is the guy that's sitting on the bench mm-hmm. because they don't have a need for him because you have Rui playing the four backup four and coming off the bench for that or playing a predominant amount of time at four Jackson Hayes at the five as a backup center again still have got to see more than what I saw with him in New Orleans Cam Reddish I don't have big expectations for Cam Reddish but 
the theory of Cam Reddish could make things happen if he finds his shot from the outside. Again, this is a team that accentuates his skills very well, so could be a possibility. But again, I'm not holding out hope for that. I think Torian Prince, by reputation, and the fact he did pay a little bit more to get him, I think that he's going to get the first opportunity camp to go ahead and take some of those three or four slots on a backup role than Cam Reddish. Yes, absolutely, Gerald. Because right now, it looks as though um, Max Christie is more likely to play with Torian Prince uh, off the bench than with Cam Reddish. Yeah. Uh, but Gerald's right. Uh, and very good point. Prince is the odd man out if for whatever reason either his shot is not falling and more and plus uh the defense is just not up to snuff to a level where uh you can live with uh, his subpar shooting. I, and I think Gerald's right. There's going to come a time where there's a slump. Somebody's in a shooting slump and he's going to call Cam Reddish's number and he better be ready because there needs to be some production there and and I, that's a salient point, Gerald. You know, Prince is the odd man out here if if thing if things uh, jackknife because that would mean that Christie and Reddish have developed some pretty good chemistry off the. As bat. a two-three, right there, two-three, and then you have Rui as your four. Uh, these are the guys coming off the bench. You have Jackson Hayes at your five. Gabe Vincent, though, thing is, we haven't talked about this again. The Lakers. Despite our misgivings on Russell Westbrook, and I said it's the you know our pretty much our agreement that this could very well be the Russell Westbrook trade was the worst trade that the ever Lakers have ever done in in their history. The fact is, though, he could give you uh, uh, as far as the tempo is concerned, coming off the bench, he could push the ball up the floor. Well, Gabe Vincent playing in Miami for so long where tempo really wasn't as much stressed or talked about or demonstrated, be someone that can go ahead and continue. Because again, you have D'Lo can push it up a little bit. LeBron, if, if things are good and he's feeling spry, obviously can push it up. The team is best suited when they're going in transition. I've said this for years. You've heard me at nauseum on playback.tv slash Lakers fast break talk about Push it, push it, push it. You know, tempo, tempo, tempo. Fast break, fast break, fast break. This team is best suited because half-court issues still are there upon the horizon for the Lakers. So I think, again, it's in their best interest, two bigs or not two bigs, to go ahead and play an um-tempo style. Do you think Gabe could be the backup guard to do just that? Uh, yes, I do, Gerald, because he's actually uh, done this before. Look, when... Uh, when the Miami Heat decided that they were going to sign and trade for Kyle Lowry, I don't think uh, the organization nor the player himself had was expecting a dramatic decline um, in his athleticism, Gerald, because it fell off a cliff from his last year in, his, in Toronto to basically his, his second year with the Heat. Um, that the Spo had to make a decision, Gerald, because uh, Lowry just was not working out in the starting spot. So they gave it to Vincent. Um, you know, again, Miami, Miami was kind of up and down with Vincent in the starting lineup. But one thing was for sure, Gerald, uh, he did give them a bit of a jolt, uh, especially in uh, in transition. 
Um, his ability to defend uh, multiple both guard positions, even though he's he may be small for his size, he he is very strong and uh, is not shy about uh, guarding bigger twos. However, like you said, uh, it was mixed results. So I think that for the most part, I think Vincent can help uh, the Lakers in transition and in the half court. But I think you're you're right, Gerald. He needs to be have more of an impact uh, in transition. Either making making his open shots or finding the open man. Hunter brought up something good, uh, a suggestion out there, talking in the best Lakers chat room that's out there, the Lakers fast break. She's talking about uh, D'Angelo Russell's recent appearance on, was it Pat Bev's show? I know Pat Bev was on it yeah. because you can't miss Pat Bev. Uh, there was a third individual. I forget who it was, but yeah, Pat Bev and, and, <laughs> was throwing, he was throwing bouquets of flowers at D'Angelo, an individual that was, you know, uh, they never actually played together on the Lakers. They kind of like were ships passing in the night, but they were, you know, he was throwing D'Angelo and D'Angelo was just taking all those flowers and, you know, is talking about, you know, Jokic, like she said, uh, Hunter indicated Jokic the best player, but also as well, the contract involved about how much he felt he deserved as opposed to how much he signed. Uh, you know, when it comes to D'Angelo Hunter, I just think, again, we saw he's a regular season player. And when it comes to the playoffs, he's going to be exploited. I understand he had the the couple good games, especially the one full rounded game that he gave us in Memphis. He always gives you spurts like right, like right after halftime. He'll give you he met, remember a couple times after halftime, he made like three or four shots in a row. Or he'll give you that burst where you think, oh, man, can he go ahead and sustain this over the course of four quarters? Rarely did he sustain it over four quarters. The thing is, though, over the course of regular season, with his accuracy on his three-pointers last year, it showed that if you have him in there for regular season, you're great. Uh, You're doing pretty good. But for the most part, though, in Minnesota, they got rid of him because they were better off the with him off the floor than on it. So you know, it's just hard to tell, hard to gauge D'Angelo because of the fact that he is such a liability on the defense, how much he can contribute to a playoff team and can he get you all the way to where you want to go? Is last year or last season as far as you can go with D'Angelo Russell, Magic Man? Yeah, Gerald. <laughs> that uh, That interview is very interesting. Uh, you know him. Uh, him Pat Bev was throwing him flowers, <laughs> left and right. Here's some more flowers. There you go. You're so great. You're also, so great, D'Angelo. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a hug fest. The tug you, you hug me. Yes. I also I also found it funny how he he intimated that he knows whether or not he's being traded by the way the janitorial staff uh, treats him, which I thought was just a little. Overcomplicating the uh, the issues there, D'Angelo. I mean, I think you're t- thinking too deeply about certain things, uh, other than maybe you know being very productive on the floor and not worrying about what other people think or are saying. Uh, but yes, Gerald, uh, you know I, you know it seems like D'Lo is uh, basically a safety net for the regular season and or a. Um, or until the trade asset. deadline. Right. And then an asset, a depreciating asset that they can try and use to get something uh, in return. 
Um, but you hope it's an appreciating asset. You hope that he's actually performing well and playing above board, especially defensively. I mean, if there's any slight improvement there and he keeps his production up offensively, I think the Lakers will be able to find suitors for him at the trade deadline for sure. But, uh, but it, again, that's really incumbent upon D'Lo to play better defensively because if perhaps the, the it's the best of both worlds where he... if Gabe is solid, Gabe Vincent is solid and he's faltering and whatnot, I would see him eventually leaning into the possibility of starting him above D'Lo. And I talked to yeah. you before about how this is probably the most important season for D'Angelo Russell's career because we will see if he still can be considered a starting point guard, a competent starting point guard, or if he should be brought off the bench. I think that that, that this year will dictate his future going forward. Uh, it will. It will. Um, you know, and again, um, he's a guard who has very good uh, instincts. However, as Stone Stone Hansen uh, has said before, Delo's processing skills are below average to at times poor, Gerald. So mm-hmm. he needs to find uh, ways in which he is a much more efficient player offensively as well. Uh, he had timely he had timely threes in the playoffs, especially against Golden State. Uh, but we need him to be more selective. Uh, with his outside shot, Gerald, especially when it's not falling, you know, he has a tendency to be a player who's, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll make his first two, but he'll miss his next four, but he will continue to shoot. And all of a sudden, you know, instead of being maybe two for seven, having, you know, four boards and eight assists, he'll be two for 12, uh, three boards and two assists. Uh, you know, he needs to be really, really more selective and a better processor, especially in the half court, because uh, with Rui, with Vando, with Prince, uh, throwing uh, Max Christie and Gabe Vincent, all five of those guys I just mentioned are all, all capable cutters as well. They don't necessarily need to be shooters. They all have a skill set where they can cut to the basket and finish. So, uh, the Lakers and especially D'Angelo need to find a better way to process faster and more efficient what's going on out there because he's a quick decision maker, but that doesn't necessarily make him a good one. He's a bad, quick decision maker. Either needs to slow down or make better decisions. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout. But we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com.
Intel Wild says, are we getting wood or not? I don't think anybody knows at this point, Intel. I just really think that at this point, you know, the Lakers might have already moved on. You know, it, it just, at some point, you just got to say, we're just going to go ahead and do other things. But it, I think Wood and his agent have played this whole situation out in free agency pretty lousy. And, uh, you know, it's going to lead him on the outside looking in if they don't, if he doesn't do something very soon. The Lakers could be very well, again, leaving those two spots open, as we've talked about and speculated, for whatever happens in training camp on for other teams and maybe willing to pick up somebody through there, whether it's Oklahoma City, whether it's New Orleans, you know. So one of these places with a lot of different, uh, you know, options that that may be too much for, as far as for the roster is concerned, they'll have to let go of some guys. So uh, that may be just a thing. And, and maybe already Christian Wood is already, uh, you know, persona non grata and he's already on his way to Europe. So we'll see what happens there. But I think for right now, Magic Man, to close out our conversation, I really think that the two big idea, as much as I would love to institute it, even a stretch five, with LeBron James now at an advanced age, I really had some time to think about it since it was mentioned last night and some great comments last night. I forget the viewer's name that was on there. I'd have to go ahead and check the, what Brian, happened last I night. I believe it was Brian Cullen. Yeah, Carol. Brian. Yeah, he was new. Someone new. And just, yeah, really good point that he brought up. I really had some time to think about it when I was uh, stuck in the car wash today. And I <laughs> really want to think, I had to think time to think about it. And I think that uh, with LeBron at his age and the number of minutes that you hopefully won't play him, but that I have a feeling, as I told Joe, that uh, that Ham will play him. Uh, unfortunately, you're going to need more of a three-type deal. You're going to need more Vando out there playing 15 to 25 minutes. You're going to need Rui out there spelling LeBron and AD. I think Christian Wood would be a great fit, even if the, you don't start him, because... There's still, if everything was in a perfect world for the Lakers, guess who's still missing 15 games to 17 games during the course of the season, even if they're both healthy. And that's LeBron and AD. If you, they will probably miss a combined 30 games at least, if not more. That's just wishful thinking on my part. So you need someone out there that's going to be able to score and, and pick up the slack and maybe get you a couple wins in the process. So yeah. Right now, I'd probably say you need a three more than you need anything else because LeBron, if you have him chase down threes, that's asking for a lot of trouble. Yeah, it is asking for a lot of trouble. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Joe. There, there needs to be at some point um, an identifiable player or situation where the Lakers can either swoop in or circling the wagons back to that they can – trade for this three and be able to slot him in because you're right that that needs to be a, uh, a position that needs to be taken care of it is and again it's not the perfect fit. the lakers just do not have that perfect fit but what they have is a lot of talented individuals from one to about i'm gonna say 11 or 12 with depth with individuals that can give you NBA rotational minutes and they won't suck in my opinion. Uh, we will see if that plays out because you know, as it plays out, usually that's a lot different. You know, there's going to be some guys who are going to disappoint for you. And then some guys are going to surprise you as we saw last year, 
Austin Reeves took it to another level, which surprised us as soon as the calendar year hit 2023. You saw other individuals like Rui surprise you in the playoffs. So I'm hoping that we can continue to find that magic. But then again, regular season, 82 games, like you said, magic, peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. It's up to Ham to find out of these 12 guys, depending on when, if or when they are traded, but most likely 82, you know, these, these, these 12, 13, top 13 guys in your rotation to go ahead and be utilized correctly for the, at least the first 50, 60 games of the season before you decide what to do for the rest of the season after that. Absolutely. Because as you said, Jared, let's go down the list, you know, LeBron and AD likely to miss anywhere from possible 15 to more 20 games. Gabe Vincent has been known to miss about 10, 15 games a season based on knee soreness. D'Angelo Russell has missed time because of ankle injuries, Gerald. Down the list we go. It seems that Rui and Vando are basically the only Lakers that I can think of that can you know, possibly play anywhere from 70 to uh, 80 games this season and uh, play relatively efficient because ultimately you're going to need that depth somewhere along the line. And again, uh, kudos to Rob front office and the developmental staff for, for surrounding the team with this kind of depth because it, it doesn't, it doesn't really, or it shouldn't alarm or concerned Laker fans if one guy goes down necessarily because there's oh there's another guy to pick up the slack and there's another guy beneath him, i.e. Jackson Hayes or Cam Reddish, who are hungry and salivating at the idea of possibly playing that role as well. So, you know, it, it what I love about this situation, Gerald, I think um other Laker fans should should take this tidbit away is that whether or not Ham ultimately goes to his majority uh, love of the three guard lineup as mistress, or he loves the uh, two big system, uh, the fact of the matter is is that there's an open competition for minutes in a rotation, and it's up to everybody to pull on the rope together because if you're not uh, given the circumstances and where we are with LeBron James in our history as a franchise, there's the door because somebody else is ready to fill your shoes and do what we need them to do. Once again, it's the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate you watching and listening. Once again, if you've not subscribed yet, please do so. We're so close. We're on the way to 1,000 subscribers here on YouTube. If you have not yet, hit the little beady-eyed Joe Go ahead and do so today to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the latest Lakers Fast Break. Before I go ahead and answer Kurt's question I have posted on the screen, Adam put into the chat, he's hoping to see Maxwell Lewis to do something in the preseason. Adam, that makes two of us. I'd like to see him do anything. Three donuts he got in in, in Summer League. Three. Three. And we moved up, paid how many? $4 million to move up seven mm-hmm. slots to get this guy? So I understand he's young. I understand we won't see the fruits of labor until next year. But maybe we could see a little bit more uh, you know, from him in the, in the preseason. But Adam, I'm not going to hit the panic button yet with him and JHS. If they're looking like this, 
next year, Magic Man, I am going to go on a rampage. Oh, <laughs> you will, Gerald. You will. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be after Joe will go on a rampage. Yes. I, you know, I. I want to see the kid do well too, because I really I, I want to see both of them do well. Absolutely. Yeah, of course, of course. And you know, um, again, you know, uh, coming from a mid-major school like that, you know, Pepperdine, not a, not a whole lot of NBA players ever come out of Pepperdine. Gerald. Yeah, but you're playing against rare. Gonzaga. You're yeah, playing against you're playing uh, against other, mid-majors that produce a lot of NBA talent. So you know, you they're on. Be, they're yes. Lo- they're on a lot of Pac-12 schedules, yep. so it's not like you don't play, you know, stiff. No, you play at, you play adequate competition. I agree, yeah. Gerald. Yes. Yeah. So, which is surprising, right? Because when he was inserted in the starting lineup, he did play with a lot of confidence, but yeah. we didn't see that confidence in summer league. It it, yeah. it seemed like he was very tentative. Very unsure. He looked not, like he caught. He looked like he was a deer caught in the headlights. In the headlights, yeah, that's that's a great analogy, Gerald. But looking back, that's exactly what it was. Um, and it's you know, I get it. You have this on your uniform. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot to take in, especially when you know the team spent a lot of money to move up, and you want to make a good impression because this is the most eminent franchise in the NBA. But Gerald. You know what? Sometimes it starts with slow steps, slow steps. And I'm with Adam. I want to see Maxwell Lewis do well in the preseason. I want to see him play with confidence. Even if the shot isn't falling, even if, you know, he's getting boxed out and, you know, it, it, it's he's finding that a man's game is a lot tougher than, you know, playing playing against, uh, against uh, young males or, or young men. And you know he finds more confidence in in just, just, just breathe, just breathe, because it seems like he just needed to take a breath, Gerald, and he wasn't taking any breaths. He was just everything was just happening so fast, and like you said, it was like a deer caught in the headlights. Before we hit Kurt's question, Katrina Richard says, and welcome. Please go ahead and subscribe, Katrina, because we'd love to have you a great part of what we do right here at the Lakers Fast Break. And if you do, it's greatly appreciated. You said how long, how far his three-guard lineup. <laughs> and that's something we here at the Lakers Fast Break, if you're not familiar, we absolutely loathe the three-guard lineups Darvin Ham has put out there continuously over the course of the last season. We've got our favorite, Zangerstein, one of our awesome individuals in our community who just cannot stand absolutely not stand the three guard lineups statistically and analytically i don't think the three guard lineups have ever really worked for any amount of time as far as on the plus minor minus ratio there so i agree with you i think it's uh, something that no matter how many bigs we have there no matter how many wings we have it's still going to be a point where i'm going to see some three guard lineups whether i like it or not yeah it's just it's just going to be something that Darvin Ham feels it's like comfort food, Sean, for Darvin Ham. It's like comfort food. And unfortunately, comfort food in a lot of times is not very good for you. And neither are these three guard lineups. No, Gerald, you're right. Uh, comfort food can be very bad for your waistline and, uh, <laughs> and, and the overall presentation as well. So I agree. It's uh, you need to be very, very selective with uh, with when you want comfort food 
And too often, he just gorges on it. He just gorges on it. Um, uh, I think he's going to go back to the well again. Uh, unfortunately, it's a wishing well for him with the three-guard lineup. Um, and Gerald's right. I mean, the the best three-guard lineup that played, like, most of the time, I, I felt like the best version of that year was probably the Thunder when they had uh, SGA, Chris Paul, and uh, Dennis Schroeder. But, I mean, that team that team went got as far as the first round. Um, so Kurt I, wants I, five-guard lineups. <laughs> Do you really want well, to kill Zangerstein over there in the Philippines? Yeah. Uh, she would just yeah, – we would hear that sound of, of Zangerstein going, ah. Yeah, but, see, the thing, was, it, yeah. the thing is, if we had, if we had like, a, a Jay Len or a Jay Lynn Williams – uh, if we had at least one of those guys, let me tell everybody something. Zangerstein wouldn't be so hard about the three-guard lineup as she is with the kind of personnel we had last year. Yeah. Adam, <laughs> that's a good point. Save the three-guard lineup for Golden State because that's what, what they might be stuck with in Golden State a lot of the times. I will say, though, Kurt says who wants to go ahead and see Maxwell Lewis play with the confidence of that female Somali runner who <laughs> ran the absolute <laughs> slowest hundred yard dash, a poor, poor gal. And again, when your own country apologizes for you running in a hundred yard dash, that's really sad. I, I really feel for the lady and just wishing her all the best. God bless her. You know, at least she went out there and gave it a shot. Yeah. Mind you. Not her fault. Uh, no, not her fault indeed, but uh, Intel, great have a great evening, my friend. We're almost out of here ourselves, but I wanted to answer one last question from Kurt. Do you see any of the young guns stepping up outside of Christie? You know, I think the young gun that might have to step up for me is Cam Reddish. I really mm-hmm. think of the young guns because you know, okay, well, why do you say that? He's not young. He is young. He's younger than Colin Castleton. He's young. I mean, he's young as young as. Max Christie, I think. I mean, they're about they're roughly the same age. So no, actually, no. Christie's probably a year younger, but still, you're, yeah, I think you're talking Christie, about. Yeah, I think Kit Reddish is twenty four. Christie's twenty two. Twenty two. Okay, so he. But Colin Castleton's uh, twenty four. At that age, yeah. The boy like, Hodge. Yeah. boy Hodge and, and Kim Reddish are like the same age. Yes. Yeah. I'm, so. I, I, May, I agree with Gerald. K. Reddish is one of those young guns. Yeah. I the one I would like to seek at time would be Demoy Hodge. I'd love to see you know six three six four. We talked about his height. You know that that being an issue, but the guy can stroke it from three, and if he shoots like he did in summer league, my God, you know eventually this kid will find a place in the NBA as soon as the expansion hits. If he doesn't make it with the Lakers, he'll make it. You know, on somebody's roster once leagues expand and you get those two new teams in there because that's 30 more spots. So a guy like that, DeMoy Hodge, will find a place, I'm pretty sure, in the NBA if he continues to shoot like that. But which of the young I, guys I, might cut through? I would say right now, to be honest, you know, if the Lakers keep themselves in the top 10 in pace, Cam Reddish might be the guy because, you know, athletically, this is what he does. It's what he's supposed to do. If he can shoot anywhere consistently, as far as in the in the mid thirties, that would be you know he'd be acceptable to leave out in the court for more than just ten minutes a game. I I think of the young guys, I, he might be the one I have the most faith in. But then again, Castleton, 
you know, they might keep him on the big roster. Although again, he is three fouls in three minutes waiting to happen because he doesn't have the discipline yet, no matter how talented he is. Demoy Hodge, I just don't think we'll get a chance unless there's injuries to the team, unless he shoots the light out, lights out again in, in preseason. So Jackson Hayes, maybe I would, you know, if he starts, anything is possible, Jackson Hayes. Jackson Hayes could easily find himself out of the rotation, or he could find himself starting in those two big lineups that we don't like at all. Yeah, exactly, Gerald. Um, you know, it, uh, again, I think, uh, you know, if you had to go, if you had to rate the impact list, it'd probably be Christie Christ- is the low hanging fruit. Christie, yeah, after, after some league, he's the low hanging fruit. fruit. He's the one everybody he, expects he, to go ahead. He'd and be number one. I'd then slot Demoy Hodge just after him, but I think Gerald's right, short of injuries and him just, just busting just busting at the seams from from beyond the arc. Short of that, I don't think he's going to see a lot of time. But his shooting was impressive enough to give him some time in the preseason to see if it could continue. After that, I agree with Gerald. I think Cam Reddish and then Colin Castleton would be uh, below him. Colin, as Gerald has said, just the – his upside is, like, amazing. Everybody everybody could see it. I just think – it's a matter of processing skills. The game, as Gerald has mentioned, the game is just too fast for him right now, and he's just he's prone to just ticky tack little stupid fouls that young players are prone to. And- yeah, but also, well, Cal- if we're talking Castleton, Castleton, just because he's out there, because the rookie big men, they're just like foul magnets. It's just yeah. going to happen. Oh the yeah, refs, it's, I don't it's know if it's designed the, it's by the blood refs. in the water. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it is, but it's just yeah, it's like uh, it's like an easy easy meal ticket uh, when you have a young inexperienced big at at the rim. It's a meal ticket. Kurt, I will tell you right now. I, if I don't know if you were here in the days like uh, late this was it like February, March, whatnot, when everybody was really going off on Twitter and in our chat room in regards to going ahead for Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish needs to be a Laker. Cam Reddish needs to be a Laker. Cam Reddish, we need to trade for Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish. And I got so annoyed. I was like yelling at the audience in regards to Cam Reddish. Well, we now have Cam Reddish. And this, again, it's it's his time to go ahead and prove all those guys and gals that were supporting him on Twitter and what, loving the highlight reels and not seeing the bigger picture there, it's their time. It's their time to go ahead, prove it, or, or shut up. It's it's the point of time. So we'll see what happens. I'm hoping I'm proven wrong because if that's the case, that means Cam is in a regular part of the rotation. I'm looking forward to, to it. But uh, great comments, though, everybody in in the chat. Uh, actually, got one here again before we had an out. Katrina Richards, great job as well. Great comments. Darvin's three guard lineup did not work for the Lakers. Winning it, <laughs> preaching to the choir, Katrina. Preaching to the choir. No rebounding, no shot blockers, because then you have Rui and LeBron, who again just they they're not giving you what you need as far as rim protection at all, or height to alter people's shots in the paint. We need size. You live by the three, you die by the three. I just wanted to get better. If we were in the top twenty, like nineteenth or twentieth in three point accuracy, Katrina, as opposed to twenty seventh, 
that would do us a lot a world of good. We don't need to take many more shots during the game as far as from behind the arc. I just hope we're more accurate. And again, if we keep the pace in the top five in the league, Magic Man, go to the free throw line 200, 400 more times than the opposition, that's a recipe for success. That's a recipe for a good season for the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes, it is, Gerald. Um, and as uh, we had to point out to those Nimrods last year, um, the reason Cam why... Reddish, man, he's been looking <laughs> good, man. Cam Reddish, man. Cam Reddish is looking good. we got to get him out of the Lakers, man. Oh, I heard. Yes, I know, I know. I think I screamed, shut up, shut up. <laughs> can we uh, have, can we stop with this, please? Oh, it I seems know. like every, every reclamation project that's out there that once had some promise yep let's just circle the wagons back to the lakers well the, the lakers are pretty good at doing that but they can't they there's no minus touch you can't turn water to wine you well the lakers have their own out wine. there yeah. russell westbrook is a reclamation product oh, a project yes. from and you know where because he failed with the lakers so mm -hmm. yeah yeah so it works yeah, we, both ways my friend yeah, it does, Gerald. I, I, as soon as they made that trade, I think Rob thought he could walk on water, and he drowned the whole thing. I'm not huge on, on Cam Reddish either, Kurt. Again, I was literally getting angry at people because it was just all I heard is Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish, trade for Cam Reddish. It's just the thing is, in this team, you understand he has a certain skill set that he can provide you with his athleticism and the fact that this is the team that's going to want to push the ball up. At least we're hoping with Gabe Vincent. I don't know. Gabe Vincent really did get much of those opportunities in in Miami. So we'll see. I, I hope the edict to him is you get the ball, you push it up. You push it up because the more you play in half court is the more to our detriment here on this team still. We're not a good half court team. We're maybe a little bit better incrementally because we've got some incrementally better shooters now on the team than we did last season. But still, the team is best when they're up in the tempo and they're getting the free throw line. That's what we're doing best. That's what we should continue to do. So let's hope that Cam can thrive in that type of offense. Let's hope we can find something that can go ahead and meet alongside LeBron and AD. But right now, i probably put Vando. i probably put Vando in that lineup. I think if you're putting Jackson Hayes alongside LeBron and AD, again, on a team where you're playing against that has some really – Solid threes, like for instance, Phoenix with their lineup, that would not be a good matchup for the Lakers as far as defensively. That's gonna who's gonna cover Durant? Who's gonna cover Booker? Who's gonna cover you know, there's just who's gonna cover Beal? Do you have enough players to go ahead and and be able to to find the way to go ahead defense if you don't have Vando out there? So that that would be my concern. But yeah, overall, again, they don't have the perfect fit for the starting lineup. They just got, they have a lot of quality players who can make contributions. And I think I, that's not going to be too bad for the Lakers. Not too bad at all. Yeah, I agree, Gerald. I agree. Um, you know, it, it not everything, not everything's going to be a, a thousand percent. And he's, he's not going to give credit for making every correct move. Nobody is, but Rob's put together a competent, Looks good on paper, depth squad around LeBron and AD and Gerald. As you said, uh, the chips are going to fall where they may, but ultimately, I think the the takeaway is that 
although in a perfect world they probably like to play a two a two big lineup with AD, it's more than likely that he's going to play the center position for about ninety nine percent of the minutes in the playoffs, and that's the only that's really the only formula that you can make to make sure that the Lakers secure a championship. Adams, Adams uh, says, I know I said this before, but Cam Reddish was actually a big part of the rotation when the Hawks made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So if you look at the stats, Adam, uh, I remember he had he was coming off an injury, if I remember correctly. So he didn't play yeah. the full time. He didn't play the full amount of games that they played in the playoffs. He only played four games. If you take a look at his stats, he hit an astonishing 64% from behind the arc. Now, if he shoots... 64% from behind the arc during the regular season for Los Angeles Lakers. I will agree. Tell you what, I will go out of my way to agree with you, Adam. That's the case. And he has 64% consistently behind the arc from three. Most likely he'll, he's not most likely he'll revert back to the 30% three point shooter that he is during the regular season. In fact, his uh, career average is 32%. So I want to make sure I, I got that correct. 32%. From behind the arc, and it's drifted you know, badly after, in the past with his past, uh, I think, three teams. So we'll see what happens here. Again, I'm hoping for the best for him. I'm not counting on a, a whole lot, but I'm hoping if, if one of these guys sticks that that Rob is taking a flyer on, whether it's Jackson Hayes or him, I'm hoping it's him because he provides us something that we kind of need since a too big lineup doesn't really make sense anymore. No, it does not. Especially against against the teams who are trying to compete against to get to the finals, Denver almost explicitly does not play a too big lineup. Now you call Michael Porter Jr. a big, but Michael Porter Jr. plays mostly on the perimeter and outside the three point line at this point. Gerald, Aaron Gordon as well. However. Teams are not playing that plotting methodical style anymore. Um, you know, basically the Knicks, the Sixers, uh, the Bucks at times, but even, you know, can you really call the Bucks, you know, Giannis and Brooke uh, a traditional big lineup, especially with Lopez's ability to shoot the three? Not not really. So it's it's more of either teams have gone to a complete, like, once one center, four out, Gerald, or there's some kind of hybrid going on, like with the Bucks, or with what the Lakers tried to do it uh, uh, last year and in 2020 more successfully. So yeah, it's like the two the two big lineup is is slowly is slowly slowly dying out. A lot of optimism there. Uh, Kurt says Cam was shooting about 40 percent before he got traded to New York, and then it was all downhill. Yes, if you look at the stats, yeah, it went extremely downhill and he said he did have it about 11 points per game in portland so there's promise but you got to remember that was a team that was tanking when he was given an opportunity so he got a fair ton of shots again i don't have much you know uh, confidence that something's going to be done cam's going to be a type of prove it to me type player but if it pops He's probably the one that could probably be the best fit for the Lakers in that starting lineup. But then again, that's that's a very big if. And that's something if he can find that untapped potential. If the Lakers can untap that potential, 
he might actually work out to be the biggest long shot of them all. But right now, he is on the outside looking in. And I think Vando's the guy that they're going to put in his place. Hoping Vando has worked very hard on his shot, as was mentioned earlier in our chat. And I'm hoping he can go ahead and be the contributor that we need on both sides of the ball that the Lakers can go ahead and do. Again, great depth. A lot of, a lot of guys, capable guys, that are able to go ahead and do certain things for you on any given night. We just don't have the perfect fit magic, but we'll have to make do for now. Yes, Jared, we'll have to make do. Uh, it'll it'll kind of be just WD-40 and, and um, tape right now. That's about what we got for uh, either the backup setter spot or a traditional put them on lockdown 3 and D player. I mean, those are basically the two black spots on the roster that are obviously need to be addressed because if they're not, the Lakers will not find themselves in the NBA Finals. So a uh, couple big takeaways. Uh, Gerald bringing up the salient point that, yes, while you need to solidify that backup setter position, you also need a traditional 3 and D that you could insert into the starting lineup to save LeBron's legs, his sea legs for the playoffs. That's for sure indeed. But great conversation tonight. Our chat room was the MVP once again. The best Lakers chat room that's out there right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Alice says, closing question, Sean, how many Lakers jerseys do you have? I think uh, there were some other comments uh, before too on your jersey. So, Okay. How many Lakers jerseys do you have? Oh, okay. So I've got, I've got two Kobe's. I've got mm-hmm. uh, everyone side. I recently got uh, number eight. I've been looking to get that one for a while. So uh, I finally got that one. And of course, Cheryl see me in my traditional hardwood classics Kobe number mm-hmm. twenty four. So I've got both numbers. I have Jerry West's old school form form blue. Home blue. I've got Magic's away, his rookie jersey and Kobe's jersey away jerseys. Uh, those are two, my two most prized jerseys. Uh, this one I'm wearing obviously is Kareem's home jersey from '84, '85. Uh, I need a couple more. Uh, I will take. You know what? I was actually thinking about this. I want you guys to kind of vote on it and see what jersey I want next. Because I'm thinking it's either Nick the Quick or I'm going to get uh, an Elgin Baylor jersey. So I'm going to leave it up to the to our fantastic audience, Joe. Okay. Because uh, if you leave it up to Joe, he's going to oh. tell you to get a Robert Sacre jersey. Yeah. You know what? I, I mean, I'll do respect again to Bobby Sox. And uh, okay. I heard he's doing well. Back in British Columbia, but I mean, Robert, we love you, but you were there for comic relief, brother. We really weren't relying on I think Mark Few had you there for comic Either relief, that or, too, you, bro. How about your Chris Kamen jersey? How's your Chris Kamen Lakers jersey doing? Oh, you know what? That'd be classic. Uh, does oh, somebody, yeah. uh, does somebody, there's got to be at least, at least 100 guys in L.A. with a Chris Kamen jersey, Gerald. Yep. I think Kurt search. I think Kurt knew who all along as far as which Nick he was actually talking about. Uh, but uh, maybe magic man will bid on that. Will Chamberlain Jersey that we were talking about on last night's show. It's only $4 million expected to go for. So mm. yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Right there. But once again, it's the Lakers fast break. It is the magic man, Sean Grice, along with me, Gerald Glassford. Sorry, no Joe tonight. The internet gremlins blame Verizon in Temecula. 
right there for you. So unfortunately, he's not going to be here tomorrow either because he's starting off on a weekend adventure once again. Might be sailing around the Catalina Islands once again. We don't know what he's going to be doing, but he said he's not going to be able to make it. When we talk to Stephen Bagel tomorrow, scheduled for 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, a little bit earlier tomorrow night, because I know you East Coasters love the earlier shows for us. So, yes, 5 o'clock Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to go ahead and talk to Steve Miguel. It's our first of our NBA team previews. He's going to be talking about the Philadelphia 76ers, the situation going on with James Harden, Joel Embiid. I know that Laker Nick, our good friend out there, loves drama. There's plenty of drama in Philadelphia right now, indeed. But once again, it's the Lakers fast break. Thanks so much again for watching and listening. Uh, actually, Adam says Joe needs a rant podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to make a note to him so you can go ahead and and do just that. Kurt says it's the Catalina wine mixer that Joe's going to. Quite possibly, indeed. But, yeah, he's a little bit of a bubbly, as Chris Jericho would say. Adam <laughs> Hurley says, I changed my mind. I did know that there was a Van Exel, Van Exel for sure. Yes, uh, Van Exel. What a great time for the Lakers. Yeah, I know they didn't win anything. But still, Van Exel, him playing was just a lot of fun for the Lakers. He is, Gerald, he is the he is probably the most ultimate cult Laker of all time from the guard position. Just yeah. he was he was the and don't give us this crap about all you haters out there. You know he was you know you envied us because we had him. Yeah. He he uh, was he was quick, he was smooth, he was clutch, he was just about everything you're looking in a second round pick. Yeah, I was gonna Jerry West. Jerry West selected Nick Van Exel the second round. Um, again, probably uh, the crown jewel of Jerry West's second round picks was uh, Nick the Quick. All right, Kurt. We'll go ahead and touch on that tomorrow. Well, actually, you know what? Since we've got the focus tomorrow on uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, Kurt, let's go ahead and do that now. We'll wrap it up here in a few minutes then. FIBA talk tomorrow for the Lakers. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to just be Austin Reeves as far as it's concerned. A decent FIBA team put together. I'm not sure if they can go all the way with it. Team Canada, your neck of the woods is really stacked. Uh, and then uh, Bon Temps, I guess, from ESPN thinks Shea is in the same class as Luca. Uh, I don't know. Shea is more efficient than Luca as far as on the same type of volume. I just think Luca is more of a, an attraction, more of a guy that's going to go ahead and get players on the defense to think about it. Shea doesn't scare as many people yet, but he could, you know, he's close to being a top 10. He's already right around on the fringe of the top 10 player in this league. He was in the MVP running and all that. So I still lean towards Luca, but the gap is not as wide as you think, in my opinion. I, I, I agree hundred percent, Gerald. Um, look, let's just go by the, just go by the, the naked eye. Well, it may look like Luca perhaps is um, the more dominant score. The, more versatile score. The fact remains is that uh, Luca relies a lot on the three-point shot. SGA does not. He takes less than three threes a game, and I think what people are going to find is that with now Chet Holmgren inserted into the starting lineup, 
I think uh, SGA is going to take even less three three zero because he doesn't have to. SGA is probably a top three four uh, creator driving. Um, nobody produces uh, efficiency at either from uh, free throws or uh, attempts at the rim than SGA does. He's probably the most underrated creator we have in the NBA. It's just, it's easy for him. He makes it look effortless. Again, I I think it's very close. I agree with Gerald. Perhaps Luca is a little better now, but I think overall SGA has a more well-rounded offensive game, and I think he's going to end up being a better player. So I think that FIBA World Cup is going to be looking pretty good. I think there's going to be a lot of competitiveness. I don't think there's any one team that's going to be a humongous favorite right now. I think there's there's pluses and minus to every team that we've seen uh, as far as lined up here. A lot of NBA talent's going to be there on display. Looking forward to it. The USA opens up their schedule as far as their exhibitions before they head out to the World Cup tomorrow night, I believe, against Puerto Rico here in Vegas, of all things. It's funny because they're trying to give away these tickets almost, and they still can't get people to go ahead and go and check it out. I know that uh, I saw billboards flashing all over Las Vegas with 50% off codes, just to give you an idea. So it's it's something where people are not yet really embracing it because it's not the top tier no. uh, team that we want as far as the Olympic team is concerned. So No. But uh, you know what, Gerald, I have to say? It's uh... – it's really it's cool and weird at the same time to see Carmelo Anthony as a coach now. It's like because mm-hmm. <laughs> I do remember, I do remember when he was once. Uh, he's probably the most decorated uh, United States men's basketball Olympian of all time, Gerald. Uh, mm-hmm. Three gold medals. Uh, Beijing, twenty twelve was in London. And 2016 was where, Gerald? I think Brazil, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Camelos. Rio. uh, Rio. That's right. That was the one. Um, Number one all time in points uh, for the United States. Number one all time in games played. Again, like, obviously the most decorated uh, Olympian from uh, USA basketball of all time. Again, pretty cool to see him see him coaching up, and hopefully Austin Reeves is able to pick his brain about how to be just a bull from the baseline in because that's pretty much the only spots where he hasn't been able to use his body to to pick up fouls. Gerald, you know, he's been able to be a terror uh, going north to south. Uh, downhill, but it, it seems like you know if he could get those side baseline position and and learn how to use his body there, you know I think picking somebody's brain like Carmelo Anthony would be great for somebody like Austin Reeves. Good question. It will be hosted by the Philippines, Japan, and Indonesia starting later this month on August 25th. So we'll see what happens. It's going to September 10th. Uh, so it's going to be about uh, two weeks of good action. So we'll be following up along with you. So tomorrow, though, we have Stephen Bigel coming for the Philadelphia 76ers preview. Great to have him back from the Bird Rights podcast. And we should probably hear some noise on an extension for Anthony Davis. So we'll see if that's offered and accepted. So 
tomorrow's the first date. The Lakers can go ahead and do that. We'll so we'll see. So, yep, absolutely. So great to have you here. We're heading on out. Magic Man, any last thoughts before we go for the evening and tomorrow's team preview, starting with the 76ers? Go big or go home. Unless you're big, it's Damian Jones, Mo Bamba, or Wenyi Gabriel. Oh, you might add Jackson Hayes unless I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. I hope but not. Gerald hope had not. to say that. I know we had to say that. I have to say that. It yep. may be in a long list, Jackson. You don't know. Yep. Samir asks, can't wait to ask tomorrow why Embree cries so much. That's going to be a great portion of our conversation. And if Steven anticipates Embiid not being a 76er for that much longer. So we'll see. Kurt Affairs says, thanks again. Goatee gentlemen, bye all and have a good one. Uh, my goatee is only going to stay a little while longer, but uh, before it gets irritated, but we'll see what happens when it comes to the Lakers tomorrow. Will AD get an extension? Will Embiid be gone from the Sixers in the not too distant future? We'll talk about all those subjects and more when Stephen Bigel stops by tomorrow right here on the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Thank you, everyone. Have a good evening to the best Lakers chat room that's out there right here at the Lakers Fast Break.